The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomabete on SAFM. The ability to express ourselves either through speech or through written word is something that some may take for granted. Well, up to 2% of a population, close to 2 million people, cannot reliably meet their daily communication needs using natural speech in South Africa. Due to their disability, this community cannot protect themselves or express themselves. This makes them most vulnerable people in society, often spoken about and on behalf of others. Our next guest challenges society to stand behind the communication Bill of Rights and ensure that everyone is treated as full members of this society with dignity and with respect. Professor Juan Borman, Professor Center for Argumentative and Alternative Communication. She's on the line and she's from Turkey's. Good evening, Prof. Thanks for your time. Good evening and thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you tonight during this month of human rights. Thank you so much for raising this issue and thank you so much for allowing us to engage this issue through you because it just forces us to take a step back and consider how much we have, even just between ourselves, in this conversation. And here we are again, almost antithetically speaking on behalf of a community who are not here and who cannot, certainly in this conventional way, participate in this conversation. Absolutely. And I think one, when, when one has the skill and the power to be able to use your natural voice to communicate, it's so easy to take it for granted and to not even think about what it would be like if you were not able to, to use your voice to make your needs and your wants known, to express yourselves, to express emotion and opinions and to be able to fulfill your dreams and your wants and to go to school and to learn because communication and speech and language is really what we use for all of those different functions. It's inherent to our survival. Absolutely. That is inherently what makes us human. Tell us what this Communication Bill of Rights is all about. This is really an approach to make people more aware of all of the different needs and uh, that we have in terms of communication and all of the different reasons that we use communication. So to be able to give, be given choices, to ask for things that we need, to share feelings. So for people out there to really just start engaging with the thought of we use communication for a lot of different purposes. Mm-hmm. I I want us to talk about the fact that, and please understand me not to be um, disrespectful, we're talking about ultimately 2% of the population. I'm saying that in the context of South Africa's resources, their availability, their priorities, tell us why this 2% of the South African community, despite what challenges South Africa faces, are due their dues, irrespective at what cost it might come, to the extent that you can quantify the cost of this communication bill of rights, please do. I I want us to engage this deeply, not from the vantage positions of our privilege, but let's imagine ourselves if we were any of the 2%. Exactly, and I think that is exactly the issue, because we always communicate from the vantage point of being able to communicate. And if we think about close on 2 million people that really have difficulties in making their needs known, and when one starts thinking about all of these different forms of communication, not all forms of communication have to cost 
resources have to cost money. If we think about giving opportunities through, for example, using gestures, if we think about using real objects in the environment, using pictures, using photographs, there's a whole vast array of different options that we could actually use to be able to express ourselves. Um, We also know that with the dawn of cell phones, and I think one of the really interesting things is that if one can trust Google, which is not always a reliable source, I tell my students, Mm -hmm. but Google tells us that more people own cell phones than own toothbrushes. So if we think about what happens... Say that again? (laughs) More people have... There are more cell phones in the world at the moment than toothbrushes. And... Which is which is really a fun fact. But anyway, uh, the the important thing is that through cell phones, for example, we can download certain apps, and a lot of those apps are for free. And that would enable a person to use a cell phone, and then you can even have a device that has a high a high tech output that could have a speech output by using your cell phone. So I think with technology becoming so ubiquitous, there's a lot of alternative options that are opening up. So things are becoming a lot easier for persons to access. An irresponsible rollout of technology and other communication devices, whereas it could facilitate for the entry into the mainstream of the 2% population who are currently ostracized for the most part, could have the opposite effect of further dropping them down in terms of getting them into the mainstream because of the concentration and indifference and a lack of policy response to make sure that the 2% of this population, vulnerable as they are, get brought in. That's what happens is they get further down the line. Absolutely, because the moment when they are not part of the mainstream society, we don't think about them. We don't realize their needs. We don't we don't think about all of these alternatives that are out there. Um, I think there's such a good saying that talks about unknown is unloved. And the more we keep people away from, from mainstream society, the less we think about the challenges that they face and the less likely we are to be able to give them options. And that is why I think it's so important that we grow up in a much more inclusive society where we stop thinking about us and them, where, where we really see individuals for who they are as human beings. The absence of audio and visual facility inherently, and then when there are conditions, for instance, like Down syndrome, any one of us, frankly, tomorrow could be part of this 2%. I mean, that's how everybody is vulnerable. It's just that somebody had to, if you like, be a statistic. Now, how do we respond to all of this? Noting our vulnerabilities, knowing our privileges, knowing the skewed patterns of resource distribution and policy inefficiencies, do we make sure we eat into this? For instance, do we now all take it and make it a point to learn sign language? Do we force our government where every government publication is available in Braille to the extent that it is required, or every time the president speaks, or any public offering, and as in public, as in government offering, on television, is available to somebody who cannot hear but can at least see through sign language? I think it's so important that we equip ourselves with knowledge, that we make sure that we roll out awareness around this population to a much larger extent than what is happening at the moment. I think it's so great that every time when President Ramaphosa speaks, 
that we are starting to see sign language interpreters on the television. I'm so happy every time when I walk into a shop and I see persons who are deaf, for example, that are employed. And while it might not be attainable for everybody to learn to be totally fluent in sign language, I think each one of us could learn how to do the basic introduction, how to be able to sign your name, perhaps, and say, hello, how are you? And be able to just engage. And I think the next time when you see a person with a disability, just to reach out and say hi and look the person in the eye and acknowledge their existence, that already is a step in the right direction. And then I think it's so important, as you also said earlier, that we do influence policy, that we do make sure that we raise these issues whenever we have an opportunity and make sure that it's written into the um, into the different Bill of Rights. I'm really happy to say that, for example, in the white paper on inclusive education, that augmentative and alternative forms of communication mm-hmm. is specifically mentioned there. And um, at the moment, we are really working very hard. Um, I wrote about a first c- a case law that we had when a young girl was able to testify in court using an augmentative communication system. So, so I think things are starting to change. And um, it really is important that even if we can't change everything, we can each have an influence there where we are. It is important. Just one minute even, please, because I'm running out of time augmentative and alternative communication. You see, this is not to suggest that all those who need augmentative and alternative communication have lesser ability. They just require a different way of communication or way of expressing what they know or are capable of or engaged for the purposes of upskilling themselves to produce and be productive, much like you and I are, if not better. Absolutely. So I think the important thing is that when we see a person that cannot use their natural voice to communicate, we shouldn't assume that that person doesn't have the language or doesn't have the understanding to actually be able to to communicate using an alternative form of communication. So we have the saying that just because you can't speak doesn't mean you've got nothing to say. So we we really should not uh, think that a lack of Expressive communication also means that a person does not have the recept of the understanding part of language. Is this not a good parting shot? Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Mbilo Tutu, I'm not interested in picking up crumbs of compassion thrown from the table of someone who considers himself my master. I want the full menu of rights. How appropriate. Absolutely, because I think for such a long time, we have really prevailed with looking at people with disability from a charity perspective, feeling sorry for them, feeling pity. And I don't think that that's the appropriate approach to take. We really should look at them as valuable and possibly contributing members to society and offer them their human rights because everybody deserves their rights. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Juan Borman, Professor Center for Augmentative and Alternative Communication at Turkey's. Thank you very much. A human need, a human right communication. After the break, we continue with Mr. Lunganga Landlove.